Welcome to the More Than a Physique podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, online fitness coach, content creator, and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. In this podcast, we help you discover your inner athlete. Each episode will enhance your life as we provide you insights on all things health, fitness, and personal development. Now let's bring out your inner athlete. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than a Physique podcast, where we discuss ways to ignite all areas of your life surrounding health, fitness, and becoming mentally elite. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, certified strength and conditioning specialist, sports nutritionist, and a certified pre- and postnatal coach with the Natty Hour. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Legion and the Natty Hour. Legion is an evidence-based supplement company that takes pride in ensuring that all products are backed by peer-reviewed scientific literature and are dosed at clinically effective levels. If you've been following me long enough, you know that I'm not one to push something that I don't believe in, especially supplements. But the fact that Legion has gone to great lengths to ensure such quality products is the reason why I have partnered up with them. If you are interested in learning more, be sure to visit legionathletics.com. You will also receive 20% off your first order if you use my code Jansen, J-A-N-Z-E-N, at checkout. Further information and links are in the show notes. Also, a huge shout out to The Natty Hour, which is my online coaching business that I run with my husband, Kyle Jansen. We exist to serve the drug-free strength and fitness community, from those who embody the discipline and determination to pursue the highest level of competition naturally, to those looking to improve their overall health and lifestyle. Our athletes range from being elite bodybuilders to the new mom looking to prioritize her health amongst a hectic schedule. Be sure to visit thenattyhour.com to learn more. Thank you so much for supporting the More Than a Physique podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode on your social media. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 99 it has been a minute since I have done a podcast episode and all I have to say about that is that it was a good summer. I'll leave it at that, take that as you will, but the podcast is officially back and I will be resuming bi-weekly episodes in October. So not this episode, but the next one will be my 100th episode. And I'm very excited for that episode. So I plan on doing a big giveaway just as a thank you to the listeners. So obviously pay attention to the 100th episode as a thank you. I will be doing a big giveaway. So the instructions as to how you can enter, what the giveaway will entail will of course be provided in the next episode. But for today, on the 99th episode, we are going to talk about aspartame. I actually had this discussion with my Natty Hour athletes. It was such a great discussion and I found it to be very enlightening, not only to my athletes, but even to myself. 
as a online evidence-based coach, I always try to ensure that I am up to date on the research. And this is a topic in particular that has come up quite frequently over the past 10 years of my coaching experience. But as of right now, this is a hot topic yet again. And I really took the time to do a significant amount of research just to provide value and reassurance to my athletes. So I uh, found that discussion to be very productive. I wanted to share it with you all in the More Than a Physique podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. This week, I wanted to take some time to talk about a very hot topic in the stratosphere right now, if you will, in, in the news, in social media, and that is aspartame. So the reason why I thought that this was going to be a very good topic for us to talk about is because recently aspartame has been added to um, the World Health Organization's list as a carcinogenic item. So obviously with that headline alone, it has caused a lot of people to just kind of spiral out of control. It has sparked a a lot of fear and even a lot of guilt, a lot of shaming. You know, I have lots of clients who are prepping down for a bodybuilding show right now and they consume a diet soda, maybe one or two a day. And they are getting a lot of backlash for that because of uh, this recent um, news update. So I thought it would be a really good topic to talk about. So I've been doing a lot of research over the past couple of weeks here, and I'm actually subscribed to a monthly research review. It's called Mass. And basically within this subscription, the uh, researchers, they break down new evidence, new research articles, and um, kind of, you know, break it down into layman's terms for people who are, aren't scientists. I apologize if you can hear my cat in the background, but um, it was really informative. So I wanted to uh, just share with you guys what I have learned. And uh, hopefully with this perspective, it will just kind of allow you to just determine for yourself whether or not avoiding aspartame is something that if you want to endure or not, right? So that's the biggest thing that I just want to focus on today. So with that in mind, so there was the, there is the International Agency for Research on Cancer. So the IARC. So they recently declared aspartame as a possible carcinogen. So the IARC is affiliated with the World Health Organization. They recently added aspartame as a carcinogen. So when people hear that, right, like I said, it does cause people to spiral and invoke a lot of fear where people want to avoid aspartame at all costs. But it's super important to dive in a little bit deeper when it comes to this list, because there's actually four different categories that we want to consider when we're basically doing our own risk assessment, whether or not we want to continue to consume something or not, whether or not we want to continue to work to expose ourselves to that given item or not. So there's actually four different categories. So 
Right now, let's go over these four different categories. I'll explain a little bit more what they mean, and then we're going to talk about what other items are included in these categories. And I think that that's going to be very helpful for you determining for yourself whether or not you need to be afraid of continuing to consume aspartame. Maybe you need to stop, or maybe you just need to limit it ever so slightly. So the four groups here. Group number one. This is the um, this group is described as items that are carcinogenic to humans. So there's about 126 items in that group. Group 2A, these are items that are probably carcinogenic to humans. There's about 94 items in that category. Group 2B, those are items that are possibly carcinogenic to humans and around 232, 322 items, sorry, in that category. And the final group is group three. And those are items that are not classified as carcinogenic. So basically there wasn't enough research to classify them in any of the other three groups. And there's around 500 items within that category. So these items, they range from like food, beverages, ingredients, environmental exposures, and even occupational exposures, which I found to be pretty interesting. So let's break down these groups just a little bit more so we understand a little bit more in depth what they actually mean. So group one, like I said, those are items that are carcinogenic to humans. And basically that means that there is enough evidence to conclude that it can cause cancer at this present, at this present time. Group 2A is that there is strong evidence that the item can cause cancer, but the findings are not conclusive. So there's some discrepancies in the literature. Group 2B showcases that there is some evidence that it can cause cancer, but the evidence is far from conclusive. So very different terminology between group 2A and group 2B. So remember, group 2A is strong evidence, but it's not conclusive. Group 2B is that there is some evidence, but it is far from inclusive. And then obviously, group 3 is where there is no evidence at this point in time that the given item can cause cancer. So they couldn't classify it into any of the other three categories. So for those who don't know, which one of these groups, where was aspartame categorized into? And aspartame's actually been categorized into group 2B, meaning that there is a possibility that it can cause cancer, but the evidence is far from conclusive. So based off of the research, what is going to cause a specific item to be categorized into its given group? Well, basically what happens here is there's um, a bunch of different scenarios where they categorize it in a given group. And what they have shown for the research regarding aspartame is that there has been limited evidence of the item being carcinogenic to humans. And then there is less than sufficient evidence of it being carcinogenic in experimental animals. So there are some studies where they have used rodents. There's other studies that they have used humans. And there's a discrepancy between various studies in regards to aspartame, which is why they have classified it as a possibility because some studies show like, yep, there may be a little bit of a link to cancer. Other studies show like, nope, there is no link to cancer. And that's where they get the net conclusion that it is non-conclusive. So that's kind of how that works, right? But 
With all of that in mind, now that we know where aspartame has been categorized, it hasn't been categorized into group one where yes, it can cause cancer based off of the research and the research is conclusive. It's within a lower hazardous group where there's a possibility of it. So when we're trying to determine for ourselves, like, okay, with this possibility, with this risk, with this potential risk, is this something that I want to consume? Is this something that I want to continue to consume? Or is this something that I want to stop consuming? How do you make that decision for yourself? And how do you come to your own conclusion based off of your own research, based off of your own values and your goals from a health and fitness perspective versus just, you know, kind of going with the grain of what everybody else is doing on social media where there's all that fear mongering going on. Well, I think it's probably best to just look at some other items that are included in the same group, right? And I think that is going to, you know, like I said, provide you with some reassurance and allow you to make an informed decision for yourself. So let's look at group 2B. And remember, group 2B is where aspartame has been categorized into. And group 2B is there is a possibility that it can cause cancer, but the research is far from conclusive. So other items included in group 2B are things like aloe vera extract, progesterone in some contraceptives. So I haven't looked at my own birth control, but who knows the progesterone in there it might actually have, um, it might be carcinogenic to me. Who knows? Another one is actually a very popular ingredient that I don't think most people, myself included, realize that we are consuming every single day. And uh, that's caffeic acid. And that is found in things like coffee, wine, prunes, cinnamon, applesauce, barley, apricots, and that's just to name a few. So, you know, just having that understanding that aspartame is included in this same group that we are exposed to other items that we are exposed to without batting an eye, you know, it can kind of allow you to maybe assess for yourself, like, Hey, do I really need to be afraid of aspartame if I'm not batting an eye when I have coffee every single day, or I have a glass of wine every single night? I, you know what, maybe it's going to be okay based off of my own personal risk assessment. But let's take it a step further. What about group 2A? So remember this is that these are items that are probably carcinogenic, but there's not strong evidence. So it's a more hazardous group in comparison to where aspartame has been lumped into. So items in group 2A, just to name a few, are things like eating red meat, working night shifts. So remember it's occupational exposure as well anabolic steroids, drinking hot beverages above 65 degrees Celsius. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not putting a thermometer in my coffee or in my tea to make sure that it's not above 65 degrees Celsius. Um, indoor fireplace emissions and working as a hairdresser, which was pretty surprising to me as well. Those are items in group, in group 2A, some items in group 2A that are considered to be more carcinogenic to humans in comparison to aspartame. What about group one? So remember group one is a category where the items are known carcinogens, right? So those are things like processed meat, wood dust, solar radiation. I mean, are we really gonna be avoiding the sun at all costs? Air pollution is another thing that is kind of outside of our control to a degree. 
And another one, which I know you all aren't going to be too happy about, alcohol. Alcohol is categorized into a higher, um, a more hazardous group in comparison to aspartame. So, you know, there are certain things here where we can't really avoid the exposure of them, right? Like if you're a nurse and you work night shifts, it's going to be really hard for you to avoid doing that just because it's categorized as um, a more hazardous item in comparison to aspartame. So, you know, solar radiation, air pollution, those are things that are outside of our control. So it kind of makes sense if that's the camp that you're in to maybe look for other areas that you can control, that you can reduce your exposure. And that's where, yeah, you know what? Maybe reducing your aspartame consumption is a good idea, right? It, it depends on the individual. But if somebody has a cushy nine to five, they're not working night shifts, they're not a hairdresser, they don't really drink alcohol, and they're dieting for a bodybuilding show, you know, I don't see any issues based off of this non-exhausted list that it's okay for them to maybe want to have a, a Coke Zero every single day to help satisfy their cravings, you know, keep them on point with their diet, especially if they aren't regularly exposing themselves to other items that are considered to be more hazardous. So those are things to kind of consider for yourself. So I mean, like, I think the bottom line question here is now that we have an understanding of what items are categorized into specific groups, asking ourselves, based on the items in these other categories, does it logically make sense to avoid aspartame at all costs because of what we are seeing online? You know, probably not. Does that mean that you have to consume aspartame? Absolutely not. Like I'm not telling anybody to go and consume aspartame. There's no nutritional value to it whatsoever. So I don't blame you for having that logic where I, you know what, based off of my risk assessment, based off of my history, um, you know, I've had people in my life pass away from cancer. I've seen them suffer from cancer. I'm going to do everything that I can to reduce my exposure to it then absolutely, I don't blame you whatsoever for, especially if you don't really consume aspartame regularly, avoiding it. But other individuals where, you know, their risk tolerance is a little bit higher, they aren't exposing themselves to other things more regularly, it's going to be okay, right? And I don't think it's something worth freaking out about. And I think most importantly, it's something that we need to just stop shaming people for. You know, a lot of people are being guilted right now. If you see somebody drinking like a, a Monster Zero or a Diet Coke or Coke Zero, Diet Dr. Peppers are my go-to and I'm dieting where, you know, a lot of people are getting upset with those individuals based off of aspartame being categorized as a carcinogen, where we need to just take a step back and, you know, understand that the other items that we're exposing ourselves to regularly, we're not really batting an eye with, right? So I think that's really important. But let's kind of, you know, just look at the research here just a little bit so we can kind of have an understanding as to what it is saying. I won't spend too much time on this, but, you know, there's been a lot of research about around aspartame being linked to cancer for decades now, you know, back from like even 2006, there are some rodent studies that shows that there is a link to cancer. And then there are some other studies that show that there is no link to cancer. So like I said previously, that's where the categorization of aspartame being in group 2B comes into play because the evidence is far from conclusive. With it being lumped into group 2B for aspartame, let's kind of talk about three reasons here as to why that group isn't all that scary, right? So remember, group 2B 
is um, items that are considered to be possibly carcinogenic to humans, but the evidence is far from inclusive. And like I said previously, those are things like um, aloe vera extract, progesterone and some contraceptives, um, caffeic acid, which is an ingredient found in coffee, wine, prunes, cinnamon, all these things that we are regularly exposing ourselves to, right? So why is group 2B not all that scary and not considered to be that big of a deal? Three reasons for you guys right now. Number one, we are exposed to more hazardous items regularly and we don't bat an eye. So remember how I said previously that alcohol is in group one and those are items, those are known carcinogens. So if we are consuming alcohol quite regularly, but we're getting upset or we're trying to avoid aspartame at all costs, you know, we have to kind of, you know, assess that for ourselves and try to apply some logic and understand whether or not that makes sense. I'm not saying to stop consuming alcohol, but, you know, we want to try to maybe limit specific items that may be in group one before we start trying to limit items in group to be. So like I said, we're exposing ourselves to more hazardous items that we don't even bat an eye to. So that's one consideration as to why things that are lumped into group 2B, maybe not all that scary. The second reason here is the uh, the list of carcinogens refers to carcinogenic potential. So even items in group one, those are things that can cause cancer. It's not that they will cause cancer. So we have to have that understanding as well too, that just because you're consuming alcohol, that doesn't mean that you are going to get cancer. Your potential of it is going to go up, especially as your frequency and your duration starts to go up. So if you start to expose yourself to more sunlight, the more that you're out in the sun because of solar radiation, yeah, you know what? Your potential risk for having cancer does go up. So we have to remember that just because you're exposing yourself to these specific items, that doesn't mean that you will get cancer without a doubt. It's just, it increases your potential for it. So again, another reason why group 2B, not as scary as we may think. Um, the last one here, which was pretty interesting, the American Cancer Society had a um, pretty big article recently. And if anybody's interested in reading that, let me know and I can send that to you guys. But within that article, they list out all of the items basically in group one and group 2A. They don't even bother to list out the items in group 2B because even to them, not that big of a deal because of the non-conclusive evidence. There's not a lot of evidence to showcase that those items in there can actually cause cancer. They possibly can cause cancer, but there's not a strong amount of research. There's not enough evidence for them to even bother listing out the items in their article like they did for the items in group one and items in group 2a so with that in mind you know let's just finish off here by discussing your consumption so hopefully by you understanding the specific items that are in these other groups that we are exposed to more regularly based off of your occupation and you know things that you can avoid and things that you can avoid you might be able to determine for yourself whether or not having aspartame is something that you want to participate in. If not, that's great. There's no shame in that whatsoever. But I think it's really important to maybe just look at the dose as well too. You know, that's often something that a lot of people overlook is the amount that they are consuming. So same thing with 
solar radiation. I use that because that's such an extreme example of a known carcinogen, right? But we're all out in the sun right now. You know, what are we doing to limit our exposure? I'm not telling anybody to hide inside in their closet and just be afraid of the sun because they don't want to have the increased risk of cancer from being out in the sun. But, you know, we want to, you know, limit our exposure and knowing the amount that we should be in the sun or we should avoid not being in the sun is really important. Same thing with our aspartame consumption, right? So even after aspartame was listed as a carcinogen, um, WHO, World Health Organization, still has a recommended daily amount. So this is a pretty conservative amount where if you do overconsume their recommended amount, you're still within a healthy, safe range where there's... Um, in, in based off of their research and their conclusion, you're still going to be within a healthy range. So they actually say an acceptable daily intake is to have 40 milligrams per kilograms of body weight. So I did um, a calculation for that for somebody who is weighing in at 120 pounds. So that would be like 52 kilos. You times that by 2.2 to convert it to pounds. So 120 pound individual, um, if um, they were to have a Coke Zero, so I Googled the amount of aspartame in a Coke Zero, and Diet Coke has way more, just FYI, um, there's 88 milligrams of aspartame in Coke Zero. So if somebody weighs 125 pounds, that would be 25 cans of Coke Zero a day that is considered to be within a healthy amount of aspartame for that individual. Who, who on earth is going to have 25 Coke Zeros a day? I, I'll have one, maybe two if I'm, in an, if I'm in an extreme deficit for bodybuilding competition. But I think for most people, a conservative amount that somebody is going to have from like a diet soda or something like that is maybe like one can a day. So with that understanding and Remember, too, that this recommended amount that um, the World Health Organization has listed here was after they added aspartame into group 2B as a carcinogen. This is still considered to be a, a, a safe, healthy amount to consume. So, you know, if we're only having like one Coke Zero a day, one diet pop a day, um, based off of that conservative daily allotment, we're going to be okay. It's not considered to be an extreme increase of uh, aspartame consumption where we need to have any cause of concern. So I found that to be uh, a pretty interesting and that's crazy, a uh, pretty high amount as well too. And yes, of course, you know, depending on what you consume, there's aspartame and other items as well, but you know, diets, diet pops, diet sodas are pretty good examples of things that contain aspartame that a lot of people are consuming right now. So, I mean, in conclusion here, you guys, you don't need to consume aspartame. It does nothing for us from a nutritional benefit standpoint. There's no advantages, advantages from a health perspective. The only reason why I am in favor of it is for individuals who are dieting. You know, it does help quite a bit with just reducing cravings. Carbonation in the diet pop as well, too, keeps the individual feeling more full. So they're satisfying their cravings. They're feeling more satiated and full and that increases an individual's adherence and that's always my main goal my main expectation for people who are in an extreme deficit and diet pops can be helpful with that so 
it's like anything else, right? Within moderation. And unfortunately, we live in a world right now where everything is just so extreme. So because aspartame isn't natural, it, it, it can be very easy to demonize it in the world of social media from fitness coaches, from holistic nutritionists as well too, because it's not naturally occurring. But it's like anything, my friends, within moderation. I don't even promote people to stop consuming alcohol. And I'll tell you this, alcohol has zero benefit whatsoever. At least having a diet pop can help increase your adherence. Whereas alcohol, you know, it does nothing for us. And even that, I'll still try to help people have that balance where they can consume an alcoholic beverage within moderation versus us being so extreme all the time to just, you know, stop consuming this item because of this one article, you know, stop doing this because whatever the case may be. So I think, you know, it's very tough in the world we're living in right now because the word balance is just not sexy at all. It's uh, so easy to invoke fear into individuals and for unfortunately a lot of people to capitalize on that make profits on that and it's unfortunate but balance my friends within moderation even with this recommended amount i wouldn't recommend having 25 coke zeros a day <laughs> i really wouldn't one to two you're gonna be okay if you're afraid of getting cancer because of your um, family history and your hairdresser you work night shifts regularly and you're okay not having it then don't have it it's totally okay but even for myself who you know i want to avoid cancer i don't want that as well either so i am much more risk adverse and I'm okay with the research that is currently available. I feel completely fine with continuing to have aspartame in my diet in small amounts, right? Where if I have a Coke Zero every now and then, I don't have fear surrounding that. Same with alcohol. You know, I fully am, am aware that it, it's in a higher hazardous group in comparison to aspartame, I understand that having alcohol does zero things for me from a health perspective, and I'll even have an alcoholic beverage every now and then a little bit more this summer than I would like. But hey, you know what? <laughs> no, nobody likes to hear this, but it is all about balance and everything in moderation. So one final point before I let you all go is I really encourage you guys to have an inclusive mindset. This is the name of the game, is ensuring that you're including healthy things in your day. We all have our guilty pleasures here and there, but if you're ensuring that you are staying hydrated, you're getting in a serving of fruits and vegetables, you're eating enough protein, having your multivitamin, trying to eat whole nutrient-dense foods, making sure things aren't as processed as they typically are, things like that, you know, having more inclusivity in your diet. That's the name of the game that we always want to prioritize versus like demonizing things where, oh, I need to cut out aspartame. I need to cut out sugar. I need to cut out alcohol. Naturally, if we have a more inclusive diet where we just eat healthier and we have these non-negotiables for ourselves each day, indirectly those other items that maybe we shouldn't be having as much as frequently they start to go down quite drastically and it's a byproduct of us just having a more inclusive mindset of a healthier more balanced diet all right team that about wraps up this episode thank you all so much for listening if you enjoyed it if you found it helpful as a thank you to me please do me a huge favor and be sure to share this on your social media 
maybe share it with your friends and family. And if you haven't already, please be sure to go leave this episode a review on iTunes. It really helps me out. It helps other people find the episode so we can ensure that we help more people just like this episode was able to help you. So thank you all. I look forward to chatting with you all again very soon. But until then, go out there, strive for more, be more, and ignite your inner athlete.